Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, October 17th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. I got to say, summer has come to kind of a crashing end here. It's, you know, we'd had this kind of really great period in Paris of sunshine and, you know, relatively warm temperatures even heading into October. And now it's been raining and chilly. So I don't know if you're getting the same on the on the coast there. <laughs> When, when you talk about a crashing end, I thought you'd talk about our current government in the UK. But yeah, the, the, the weather's not ideal, that's for sure. Yeah, figured. Um, so what's going on this week? I know um, there's been a ton of movement on the website with respect to people reporting interview invitations and all that stuff. But do you want to give us a, just a rundown of like what's been happening and what do people have to look forward to in the coming days? Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of activity the last week, certainly lots of interview invites getting rolled out, which is great to see um, amongst them, Booth, Anderson, several other programs releasing interview invites and then you've got those programs that sort of trickle them out so stanford and so on and so right. forth so it's great and it's it's nice to see the activity and folks sort of helping each other a little bit um providing some advice um so that's very good and then uh, this upcoming week we're actually going to get some decisions coming out of some of the top schools early action decisions coming out of um, um at darden and duke for example so activity is moving forward graham Excellent. Um, so yeah, it's just, this is always just a crazy time. Like I cannot believe the number of, <laughs> of live wire entries coming in. And as you say, people kind of giving each other tips and, and helping out. And I should remind everyone that we talked about it last week, but you know, we have all these great resources on our website for interviews, you know, so yeah. if you're interviewing somewhere, just check out the interview archive where we have literally thousands of, <laughs> of interview reports from real candidates who've um, gone through the process. And then we have our interview guides too, and you, you can join Clear Admit Plus and get access to a lot of this stuff. Uh, you just sign up at bit.ly forward slash Clear Admit Plus, all lowercase, all one word. And again, with Clear Admit Plus, you get access to videos that Alex, you and I recorded all about interviewing, and we really went into some good um, depth in those. So a great resource if you're kind of in the throes of, of getting ready for that. Um, over on the website, we've been rolling out just a ton of content. I mean, it's just that time of year. So we did three real humans pieces. One's with students from Cambridge Judge. Another was with students from Carnegie Mellon uh, Tepper. And then a third one we just published was with students at Jones uh, at Rice University. So lots of good kind of student profiles and things to read if you're considering any of those programs. We also did some admissions director Q&As. So we caught up with um, Teresa Pedro Camaro from INSEAD. Uh, she's an uh, associate director of admissions there, and she gave us the scoop on how she actually runs the MBA admissions process and stuff. So she gave us a lot of details there. And we caught up with the, um, I think, newly anointed uh, official director of admissions at Carnegie Mellon Tepper, uh, J.R. Uh, McGrath, who he was there prior, but as some of our listeners know, um, Kelly Wilson, who had been the dean of admissions there, um, moved on. And so they were kind of in an interim situation. And I believe JR is now, um, I don't know if it's been announced, but he's, so, so as far as I know, he's the next one. So that's kind of cool. So we have a nice, no, yeah. very good. Best of luck to JR. Yeah. Fantastic. And he was, we've known him for a long time because he used to work at, at SMU, um, in, in their admissions office and has been with Tepper for a little while now. So in any event, the last thing I have Alex, before we can talk about this week's candidates, as well as a, a mailbag thing we got, um, is, we have a class profile, and this one is from Michigan Ross. And, and as you know, every week I've been kind of running down some of the stats as schools publish their profiles. And so 
again, we'll do it the same way. I'll just give you the stats and then I'm curious to hear if you have any thoughts. And so this year's class, um, which will be graduating in 2024, uh, has 380 students. Uh, that's versus 398 students in last year's class. The GPA is a 3.5 uh, versus 3.53. Uh, they had a 720 average GMAT score versus 722 from last year. And the GRE score is 320. That remained the same. 42% women in this year's Ross class versus 46% from last year. And they have 36% a, a international students. And that was 28% last year. Uh, the underrepresented U.S. minorities uh, total 23%. And I actually don't have a figure for that from last year. I'm guessing it's probably pretty similar. And they did not share application volume information. But that's basically the update there. What are your thoughts on Ross's kind of incoming class? Well, it's quite similar to many of the other programs from last season, right? Uh, clearly, application numbers were down. How do we know yeah. that? Well, they reduced the class size. I'm not sure that was deliberate um, going into the season. Their sort of counting stats were slightly off. They increase that international component, and that is a spigot that they can sort of turn on to try to, in, in, you know, increase the, the, the numbers and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, all indications to me that their app volume was probably down that sort of 15 to 20 percent for last season, which, again, is at par with many of their, their competitors. Ross is a fantastic program, no doubt, but, um, but, but yeah, probably not, not a bit of a tough time for, for, for them last season as well as... Um, several other programs. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. This is sort of very consistent with what what we've been seeing. Um, but yeah, it's you know obviously great time to be applying this yeah. year because I don't think application volume is going up. Uh, so I, I think you know this year is going to be flat to down again. So great time to be an applicant at these top schools and and probably I mean frankly if you think about the global economy, you know this could be sort of rough times ahead for the next year or or, or so. But when these folks who would be starting school what, in the fall of 23, they're not graduating until, what, 25, right? So I, I think this might actually be a pretty great time both to get into business school and to be coming out on the backside of it because you'll be, you know, maybe we'll be through whatever turmoil is is on the horizon in the near term. So I don't know. We'll see. That That's my economic prediction for the week. Yeah, good luck with that one, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, we have an event uh, in November, on November 16th at noon Eastern. It's going to be uh, an event for people looking at deferred enrollment MBA programs. And we're going to sit down with reps from Wharton, Columbia, MIT, Darden, Tepper, Yale, Berkeley, and Chicago Booth. I'm going to MC that. Now I'm wondering how am I going to balance that many guests on a show, but we'll, we'll see how, how it goes. Uh, so you can sign up at bit.ly forward slash defer MBA. That's D-E-F-E-R MBA, all one word. So um, that's kind of the event stuff. And then I was going to say, you know, we kind of need some reviews. Like we've gotten a couple of nice emails from people, but we'd love to see your reviews over on Apple Podcasts. So if you get a chance, please leave us a review. Uh, we did get a letter, Alex, from a candidate, and I wanted to just, they they sent us a letter with kind of a dilemma, and I wanted to run it by you, and I'll just do this in brief. I mean, they gave us a ton of details about their candidacy and, and all that stuff, but, um, you know, basically, the, the, the situation is that this is a 28-year-old um, white male. They've got, you know, um, a, a decent uh, GPA, 3.74, that, you know, did very well in undergrad. And, and they have good work experience, too, um, and several years of it. But their GMAT score is a 680. And, you know, that's a 47 on the quant, 36 on the verbal. And so 
they're looking at a handful of schools, but they were sort of wondering, like, you know, they recognize that their GMAT is low compared to the types of schools on their list, which include, you know, Cornell, USC, Tepper, uh, they have, what, Emory, Georgetown, and Vanderbilt. So they know that their score is low, and they're kind of wondering, does that mean that they should apply now in round two, or do they wait until next year? And so, you know, I had, I exchanged with them on email a little bit, but what's your take? Like when someone has, because this is, you know, 680 is definitely below average at really all the schools on their list. Um, if memory serves, I don't know what the average at Vanderbilt is off the top of my head, but it's certainly not going to jump off the page at any of these schools and it will be below at most. So what would you do? Well, I would tell them to apply because quite frankly, I think everything else in their profile appears to be, um, quite strong, relatively strong yeah. for, for the programs yeah. that they're targeting. I'd probably encourage them to do MBA math or HBS core mm-hmm. um, to show that they're shoring that side of their profile up a little bit. Um, they have an outstanding GPA, um, so that's going to be above um, the averages for those right. schools. Right. Um, frankly, if they if they were if they had a seven twenty or seven forty on the GMAT, they'd be targeting M seven programs from what I've read about their profile. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I think I think they're undershooting a little bit. Yeah, which is a bit ironic considering the biggest issue is their six eighty on 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 the GMAT. Um, but if they if they can do some remedial work, um, I'm suspecting that there's not a lot of quant in their academic profile. It's possible. So if they can ratchet that up um, and, and yeah, if they apply the season, what's the worst that can happen? They become a reapp next season um, with potentially a stronger candidacy as, as a reapplicant. Yeah, and my view was given that they're 28, I was like, you know what, probably just apply this year um, and go for it. It's, as I said, just a moment ago, it's probably a pretty good year to be applying in the first place. And, and so we'll see what happens. But I love your idea about doing MBA math or some kind of remedial work to show the committee that they've got the chops. And, you know, as you said it, I realized, yeah, their undergraduate experience was political science and English, right? So they're yeah. not, so that's where the red flag is going to be is whether they can handle the quantitative rigors. And, you know, we've said this before, but your work experience doesn't really cover you on that entirely. I mean, it can help if you have a quantitative job, it certainly can help a bit, but it's not going to make up for a complete lack of quantitative coursework. So yeah, I think that if they could do an MBA math or that type of thing, that, that would help. And yeah, as you said, apply this year, see what happens. I do wonder if they could be thinking about, you know, a school that came to my mind was UNC, Keenan Flagler, which, you know, often ranks above the likes of Vanderbilt or Emory and is very good. They want to do consulting. So, you know, that was just another one that came to mind. But I, I couldn't agree more. If they had a 720 or something, I would be saying M7. So it's kind of a, it's a tough spot to be in. And that makes me want them to maybe at least throw an app into a top school <laughs> to see, you know, where the chips fall. Because um, you never know. I think top 16 is very, yeah very reachable for this candidate. Yeah. I mean, there, there will be people going to Ross and Duke and that type of program with a 680 on the GMAT, sure. no doubt. Yeah. It's within their range. It's certainly not their average, I get it. Yeah. And this is definitely the weakest aspect of this um, candidate's profile, I, I assume. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I would take a flyer on a couple of top 16 at least, um, add, add those to the mix. Yeah, 
So um, in any event, I want to thank that person for emailing us. And um, they mentioned they're a longtime listener to the podcast. So we appreciate them tuning in week in and week out. And, and yeah, hopefully everything goes well. They better tune in this week. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Good point. Um, all right. So Alex, do you have anything else or should we get into this week's uh, candidates? Now let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number one. So our first candidate this week comes from an apply wire entry that was submitted uh, a few days back, and they they have 13 schools on their target list, and they're sort of all over the map, um, both <laughs> literally and figuratively, because they have Dartmouth, Duke, Emory, Georgetown, HEC, IE, ESA, the Indian School of Business, Indiana, Washington Foster, uh, UNC, USC Marshall, and Vanderbilt. So a real wide range of schools and, and geographies there. They want to start school next fall. They've actually applied to all 13 of these schools, apparently, in the first round this year. Uh, they've been working in consulting. I believe they're kind of a tech consultant. And they want to um, stay in that domain post-MBA, but I think presumably maybe a, um, well, they, they want to probably work at kind of a, they're in kind of a tech technical consulting role right now. I think they want to get into more of a strategy consulting role um, in any event. Their GRE is a 326. Their GPA is a 2.72, and they've been working for five years. And I hesitate on that 272 because they indicate that they, um, that, that they went to school in India, I believe, and that it's not, the scale is different. So I don't know how they're getting that 2.72. They're probably converting. Um, but in any event, let's talk about this candidate. What do you make of their, you know, sort of profile here and, and the fact that they've applied already? And they're kind of wanting to know what we think is going to happen. Yeah. And unfortunately, we can't really offer a lot of good advice <laughs> because they've already applied. Because I think if, if we were talking to this candidate um, three or four months ago, our advice would have been to narrow down this target list yeah. and really sort of, you know, put in the, the requisite um, effort that you would need for each individual application to really strengthen your opportunity. Um, and I'm not saying that they didn't put in great applications at all 13 programs, <laughs> but if they did, that's a lot, a lot of work to take on, especially also managing your recommenders, and so on and so forth. So one of the reasons why sort of I chose this profile is that sort of cautious warning that more is not always better yeah. um, when you're targeting programs. Because, you know, you would think, you know, obviously if I target 10 programs versus five, I, I've got, I'm going to have more opportunity down the road. Well, the reality is perhaps not. Um, focused on five programs might be a better strategy than trying to target all 10 programs, as an, as an example. So, yeah. um, so that's sort of a, a bigger sort of um, issue to sort of address. Um, now, yeah, so let's actually look at their profile a little bit and provide some guidance. The fact that they are, have already applied is actually a good thing. Um, because they're going to be an overrepresented um, candidate, as they recognise. So applying in the first round is best. So well done, they, 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 they did that. Their GRE is decent, I think, three twenty six. Yeah, um, solid. So, so that's certainly competitive for 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 many of the programmes are targeting. Well, all the programmes that they're targeting. We are a little bit concerned with this. Um, GPA sort of translate maybe sixty eight percent if it's a on a scale of one to ten. Um, Did you do that in your head, Alex? 
No, I got my calculator. <laughs> I do. I sometimes do a bit of prep work for these. Um, All right. <laughs> um, shows. So I, I was curious because you yeah. know when you start getting into the seven, you know mid mid seventy seventy five percent, and that's that's going to be quite competitive. So I'm not sure where sixty eight percent, and and they didn't know what their class rank is because oftentimes it's good to know the class rank because sure. that shows relatively how they've done against their peers we also don't know the university right uh, we do know it's in civil engineering so so um, we, we we do know that it we can take for 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 you know we, we can assume that their work experience is probably quite good hopefully it's supported by great recs but again it's quite difficult for the recommenders to have done a great job over 13 applications so i'm a little bit concerned about that. Yeah. They're also involved in three NGOs. We like that. Um, it shows that they, there's another side to the candidacy and they're sort of well-rounded, but it also shows compassion. They like to get involved in help and stuff. That all is very positive. Um, as you said, they've got a wide range of schools. They've taken a bit of a scatter gun approach to this whole process. So hopefully they're starting to get some response from programs, whether it's interview invites and so on and so forth, to see where they fall. It will be challenging for them to come back into the second round based off of what they learn in the first round, simply because of this issue that they're potentially overrepresented in the in, in the applicant pool. But, you know, fingers crossed that it works out. My initial thoughts, though, are perhaps a narrower list in round one would have been would have allowed them to 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 focus more effort on each of their applications. Yeah, I think you've summed it up really well. I mean, I, I guess um, this is a good kind of, uh, I don't know what you would say, word to the wise kind of thing, which is number one, I would avoid converting GPAs. I mean, schools usually do not want you to convert. Um, I know it can be useful for these types of forums where someone's looking for a profile assessment, but it just, it doesn't really do them any favors, right? 272 kind of jumps out at you as like, uh-oh. Whereas, you know, if they leave it in the, um, however it was done in India, which is usually out of 100%, like you say, maybe a 68 in their case, then, you know, that's probably okay. I mean, it's not, it's not a great result, but we don't know where they went. You know, maybe they went to one of the IITs or, you know, one of the most prestigious, you know, kind of Indian engineering schools or something. And so that all plays into this. But yeah. And then the other thing is just, I could not agree with you more. I have never seen anyone apply to 13 schools and do kind of a fabulous job on all 13 applications and not, not even talking about their recommenders. I mean, that would just be such a nightmare for the recommender unless they're just shooting these things off and not really putting a lot of time into it, which doesn't serve anyone. Right. So in any event, I we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that this candidate gets news. I just, the thing, the other thing that struck me was the such a range of schools yeah. and locations, you know, so it would have been good for this candidate, I think, like you say, to know where they want it to be and, um, and narrow things down. But hopefully, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully they get some good news. As you said, they applied in the first round, which is all you can really do um, when you're overrepresented. And yeah, and they got some good extracurriculars. The work experience sounds fine to me. So you never know. I mean, you know, they've got a lot of schools to, <laughs> to choose from here. So we'll see if, if, if some come back with positive news. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation though. I thought it was a good one that you picked to sort of illustrate some, some issues and things. Yeah. And best of luck to them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So thanks for that one. Let's move on and talk about wiretaps candidate number two. 
So this is another apply wire entry. And again, this candidate is targeting fall of 23. They have seven schools on the target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Chicago, and Wharton. Uh, this person's been working in life sciences consulting. They want to get into investment banking and maybe pharma or healthcare. Um, and I'll explain more about that as we go on here. But essentially, they're thinking about, you know, staying in this kind of healthcare domain, but doing kind of banking and, and maybe even private equity, um, but with a focus on that sector. Uh, the GMAT score is a 740. GPA is 3.52. They've been working for four years. And they recognize, they mentioned that their GPA is a little bit lower than some of the class averages that, that the schools they're targeting. They've been working at this boutique biotech consulting firm, and they claim that they've had a really strong career progression and should have a really great letter of recommendation coming out of that. Uh, yeah, so let's stop there. What, there are a number of things to consider here, Alex. I mean, number one is, I mean, they have a really top list of schools. It's kind of all M7 schools plus Berkeley. Um, in terms of which places they're targeting. Uh, they have this kind of healthcare background, but they're looking to pivot a, into the kind of finance side. And so, yeah, I'm wondering what, what's your take on this candidacy and do you think they're going to find success with these programs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we don't know um, much about their outside of work experience, I don't think. So right. it'd be good to get a little bit more perspective um, on that. But, you know, Let's take it as read that their, their work experience is very good and, and, and it gets supported by a great rec. They, they have this comment here. I'll get your opinion on it. Hoping this makes up for lack of brand name firm. <laughs> is this an issue, Graham, for candidates? We get this often, right? You know, I don't work for McKinsey, so therefore am I looked down upon sort of idea. I think, I mean, I don't think it's completely false. I mean, I think so. So the way that I look at it is, you know, an admissions reader who sees a candidate from a firm that they know where the school has taken, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of candidates from that firm over the, over the years, there's kind of a known quantity there. Right. And I, I know, for example, I think it's HBS actually has like a database of companies. And so they, you know, if you're not in the database, then they have to do some homework and try to figure out what, what type of a company is it? And is it, you know, that doesn't mean they're not taking people from companies they've never seen before, but they, they definitely do keep track and try to understand what's the caliber of the employer that you're coming from. And so, but I don't know if, I mean, the recommendation letter, I'm not sure how that, I mean, obviously having a great rack is good. Yeah. I'm not sure like whether that somehow, I mean, I guess if the recommender comes across as you know, super articulate and smart and maybe also as an MBA from a top school, like then suddenly, okay, we haven't heard of this company, but clearly this person's doing great work and, you know, with a competent boss, but, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting dilemma. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't really call it a dilemma. I think your first point is exactly right. If, if someone's applying there from McKinsey, the adcom already knows something about that. Yeah. profile and that experience because they've admitted and, and worked with a lot of folks from that particular business. And I pick on McKinsey, but you can wheel in about 50 different brand name firms that sure. these top schools are familiar with. If they're not familiar with your brand, your, your firm, um, the disadvantage is simply they're not familiar. So it's a little bit more up to the candidate and the, the recommender and so on and so forth to make sure that the the impact and the and, and the experience in that is well articulated so that right. the admissions reader is able to recognize, oh, I, I see what this candidate has done, and this is comparable to firm X with which I am familiar. 
etc etc so i don't think you know there's a over you know if you didn't go to a top tier firm that the adcom knows i don't think that necessarily puts you behind the 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 candidates that have what but what it does do is it puts the burden on the candidate to more effectively express their impact their growth and various other things right so yeah you know my take similar but i think um you know certainly each year top programs are taking folks from firms that they don't have experience with um prior to and you know that's got to be the case otherwise they they'd be stuck in the mud as new firms you know appear on the landscape right so yeah um anyway i just wanted to knock that out there because we often get that refrain is do i have to come from is the value for in terms of coming from a brand name firm, the value is that the adcom knows something about you. There's some meaning there. So the disadvantage for a candidate like this is to overcome that by expressing their experience. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, and, um, uh, effectively. And so, I think you know, it's you're right. It's not a dilemma. It's really just debate. You know, it does does yeah. it matter? And I think you're right. It's just a question of doing a good job of articulating and and also coaching your recommender yeah. so that because they may not have been in the position to be writing these kinds of letters before. And, yeah. And so that's why we go on and on about that. But yeah, I I like this candidacy though overall. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know enough about the extracurriculars, but beyond that, it's yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I just want to do that bit of a sidetrack, but but and and. This sidetrack is very applicable for all non-traditional candidates, right? Because if you're a non-traditional candidate, you're going to come from a firm that um, likely um, the ACOM doesn't have as much of experience with. Anyway, let's back to this candidate specifically. I really like this candidate. Like I say, we don't know about their outside activities, you know, whether they're Mm -hmm. a runner or a musician or a you know, doing other stuff like, you know, if, if, if you're studying late at night with this dude, are you going to hang out with him and enjoy their experience or, or whatever, right? So that extra stuff, we don't know anything about. But 740 GMAT, you know, decently enough GPA, just slightly below average. St- strong work experience will take them as read that that's the case. Um, they want to pivot um, do do an investment banking stint. Well, investment banking, they will draw in folks from other industries. Uh, we know that. They've definitely got to show those quant shops and, and, and so on and so forth. And I think that's probably going to be fairly evident. Um, so I think the pivot's certainly um, very doable. Um, I, I'm curious, they, they've listed, you know, M7 minus um, Kellogg plus Berkeley. I'm wondering why <laughs> they picked on Kellogg to drop them because Kellogg's fantastic healthcare, um, as well as finance, quite frankly, even though people don't necessarily um, shout that from the rooftop. So I would certainly encourage them to look at Kellogg um, also. But yeah, quite frankly, I like this candidate, Graham. Yeah. And it's an interesting, I was thinking about the school selection and about the goals, you know, and it's interesting because they want to do banking and then PE, but they also want to have that healthcare focus. And so I said in my comment on the site where I was interacting with them, I kind of said, you know, Wharton's probably an ideal landing place given what they want to do because they probably want to study a lot of finance, but they, you know, Wharton has that great healthcare management program. So yeah, that that would be a great place for them to land. I think it's, um, I was kind of curious like how, you know, how quantitative is their current work experience? And but I, I again going to an MBA program and completing that first semester should qualify them to get into banking, you know, because there's just so much quant stuff. And but 
good candidacy. I would love to know more about the outside activities because sometimes that's the difference maker in terms of whether they're Stanford, Harvard, Wharton material or something else, right? Yeah. So yeah, just be good to know. But I, again, uh, want to wish them the best of luck and they, they, I think you picked this one because it's kind of an interesting dilemma to talk about, not dilemma, debate, to debate about the kind of, uh, you know, the the notoriety or the you know how well known is your employer and whether that matters and and then also um, yeah just this sort of pivot stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, which yeah. you know is interesting and also with this pivot that seven forty G match probably going to help right because you know, yeah agreed oftentimes with these types of recruiters they're they're quite interested in what you did on the G match yeah totally all right so that makes sense so I want to thank them for sharing their profile and wish them the best of luck I don't know if we know when they applied if it was round one or if they're doing it now. But either way, um, we'll, we'll see how it all turns out. Hopefully, they'll let us know. Uh, as we move on here, should we get into, let's do wiretaps candidate number three. So <laughs> this is the third one that you selected, Alex, for the week. And we've got a candidate that, again, wants to start in the fall of 23. This one has seven schools on the list, and they are um, Carnegie Mellon Tepper, Duke, Harvard, Michigan, MIT, Kellogg, and Wharton. And this candidate's been working, the, the pre-MBA career says entrepreneurship, uh, comma, client success. They want to get into tech and maybe entrepreneurship after business school. And they list some companies that they're targeting. And those companies are Amazon, Apple, Google, IBM, LinkedIn, and Microsoft. Um, doesn't Microsoft own LinkedIn? So maybe that's one and the same. But in any event, uh, GMAT is 720. GPA is 3.4. They've got six years of work experience. They're located in the States and want to stay in the U.S. And they specifically note that they want to get into tech uh, product management um, after a few years of working in tech startups and client success and account management. So that, that's what they've been doing, right? And they want to pivot into tech PM. Uh, they mentioned that their undergraduate major was in mechanical engineering. This is a piece of background. So what do you make of this candidacy? I mean, this is a hot off the press. This one just came in, I guess, maybe a day or so ago. So what, yeah, what do you make of this candidacy? I guess they're applying in round two, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have a, 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 a lot to go on, and unfortunately, because like you say, this just came in on apply wire. Um, but, you know, they're, they're numbered 720 on the GMAT. So, you know, it, it's up there within range for, for some of these programs, it, you know, it, we just said what Michigan Ross's um, class profile is, and 720 GMAT exactly seems that, yeah. to fit there. And I mean, I think Ross is probably a, a pretty good target school for, for this type of candidacy. Um, so so they, they want to switch into tech product management after working in startups in more of a sort of a client success role. So I, I'm, I'm assuming they're sort of helping onboard clients um, to, you know, small sort of tech startup type firms, maybe high growth firms, and then managing those clients in an account management type role. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe it's in a B2B sort of SaaS setting or something like that. So I'm sounding like I'm very smart about this stuff, but I'm speculating, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, now they want to, um, you know, tech PM, so they want to actually product manage a particular um, um, and product within a, 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 a te the tech domain. And because they've got a mechanical engineering degree, that probably helps set them up for that because PM roles, oftentimes they look for those with an engineering um, background, especially in, in that tech sector. So that mm -hmm. sort of um, dovetails. We don't know anything about their outside of work activities um, and, and so forth. So again, that would be good to know a little bit more about who they are sort of um, more broadly. Um, and, you know, 
we have to infer or assume that their work experience is actually quite good. So it's going to be really important for them to show growth as well as impact. And in a, in a small startup environment, I think basically there's got to be a bit more pressure to show that impact, right? So you should be able to show impact um, if you're wor working in that sort of more of an agile startup environment than perhaps if you're working at IBM or, or, or an organization that's um, generally <laughs> quite large and quite mature and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's probably to their advantage. Sourcing recommenders might be a bit more tricky and nuanced in, in, in you know, the, the types of roles that they've had. Um, but nevertheless, they've got to um, manage that recommender process. But you, there's potentially a lot to like here. They are targeting, um, you know, a little bit of a mix of M7, top 16, and even just outside of that top 16. I mean, Tepper, you could argue Tepper sort of dovetails at the end of that top 16. Yeah. But, um, so, so their mix of target programs is probably pretty decent. But if we learnt a little bit more about the nuance of a candidacy, that would be better. But overall, um, there's some possibilities here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the things that you point out that reminds me is that it's probably if you're working in a startup and you know you sign up a bunch of customers and you can move the meter really quickly. So you could say you know yeah. doubled the company's revenue in one year's time or something. Whereas if you're working at IBM, that's never going to happen, right? <laughs> um, at least not. I mean, it'd be very hard to double the revenue of <laughs> of IBM as a junior employee, right? So that's what's nice about startups. But you're right; the onus is kind of on the candidate to bring that stuff to the fore and make sure yeah. the committee knows. I also like the idea of you know they're probably wearing a lot of different hats and and you know they're getting exposure to probably multiple areas of the business, so that's good. Uh, I do agree; it would be nice to know more about their outside activities and. You know, even just some of the little stuff about, you know, um, like we don't know if they're male or female. Uh, there's there's a lot of question marks, right? But as you say, 7234, those are numbers that they're not going to fly off the page, certainly not for a place like Harvard, um, but they're, they're not going to disqualify this person by any stretch. And it sounds like, you know, they've had some really interesting entrepreneurial kind of startup experiences that would add color to the classroom discussion. So... We'll see. Uh, I, I like the undergrad major in mechanical engineering because it suggests rigor and that 3-4 suddenly maybe is more like a 3-5 or 3-6, depending on where they, you know. Where what they, if they did out history, Graham? Well, then that, that would be a, you know, a 2-0. A <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just. <laughs> um, so, hey, I survived. I survived Wharton with an art history undergrad. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in any event, no. So, yeah, there are some question marks here, but I agree with you. There's potentially, like you would say, a lot to like, right? And they have a good range of schools. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they're going to land somewhere, right? So we'll see how it goes. Again, they're probably applying in round two, but maybe they've slipped some apps in in the first round. We don't know, but uh, we'll see if they respond to your comments that you left. So we'll, we'll find out more in the coming days, I guess. Yeah, very good. So I want to thank them for submitting that post. And Alex, thanks to you for picking out these candidates this week and for weighing in on that one uh, email question we had about what to do with a really low GMAT score. Um, in any event, we'll do this all again next week. And I guess, you know, this, this is really, we're getting into crunch time. People are starting to interview. And, and I think next week we might begin to be able to talk about how Wharton interviews are on the horizon in terms of those invites coming yeah. out. So lots of stuff to Sloan come. Be another one. <laughs> yeah. So lots to come. And yeah, we'll see you in one week's time, Alex. I'm just going to qualify this statement that you just made, Graham. <laughs> 
really low GMAT score at 680. It's still a very good yes, GMAT that's fair. score. We're just talking <laughs> at the very high end of the pool. Yeah, sorry. That was a, yeah, I should have just said, yeah, below the average at your targets. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Sounds good. So we'll see you next week then. Very good. Take care. Good luck, everyone. Stay safe.